Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Neifer, your host. And today we're actually going to rejoin a conversation that we had about a year ago with Rorick Pullman from Western Nebraska. Rorick, how is things going? Dry, Paul, really dry. But uh, it, it was planted timely and the, the crop's off to a great start. And especially from my chair, I get to, I get to watch the... Uh, uh, our son grows grows his own crop on his own money. <laughs> that that's the good feeling. But uh, you know, offline we were mentioning or you're mentioning that you've had quite a bit of wind. Why don't you just fill in the listeners on on what's uh, what's happening with the wind in your area? Well, this is my 38th crop on my own, Paul, and we've not seen sustained winds like this. We have about 28 weather stations across our farm that we use to manage our irrigation because we're 80% groundwater irrigated out of the Ogallala through center pivots. And, and uh, so those capture data, you know, very regularly. And uh, we captured a lot of sustained winds in the seventies and gusts into the eighties. So mm. no snow ground here blew uh, stuff that, that, uh, uh, you know, into standing corn stalks, no-till soybeans, ground blue. It took the corn stalks and, and everything into the road ditches and even wind road on the county roads. And to, to on top of that, just no precept. We've had very yeah. low. We've gone 195 days without any measurable precept, which was a record. Yeah. You know, our, our, we've had the opposite. You know, last year we were probably similar to you in that uh, from February 15th to about August 15th, we had no rain at all. Um, this year, well, just this weekend, Pendleton, Oregon, I was telling you, typically maybe gets 12, maybe 14 inches of rain in a year. Got close to two inches of rain on Sunday and probably over the weekend got about three inches of rain. And uh, we've just had a lot of rain now, uh, you know, compared to last year, we're, we're counting our blessings, but it is starting to, the wheat starting to lodge quite a bit. Uh, we're getting a lot of cheatgrass, uh, you know, a lot of the farms are unable to spray. So, you know, you just you just can't have that perfect year no matter what you do. <laughs> you know, uh, sometime I have to tell you about Pendleton, Oregon, but uh, every year is different, and yeah. uh, that that's the that's the remarkable part about producers is is we get right into the middle of it and away you go. I mean, that's you yeah. don't have a choice. You, you know, my son asked me a couple different times, Dad, should I wait to plant? And I said, Son, the calendar tells you to go. You've got yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can plant in dust, and uh, and hopefully Mother Nature will create a little moisture to get her to come up. So, uh, uh, but uh, well, last year at this time, uh, you were sort of going through, I would say, a major transition. Let's let's start the conversation with uh, how that transition has been going. So we were approached out of the blue. Um, there's been a large organization come in that's looking at growing potatoes. And we were approached uh, on a wholesale. Uh, in other words, the assets that we had, the land, the irrigated ground, the dry land, the uh, storage, the shops, uh, you know, we had 750,000 bushel of grain storage in our primary shop and, and on our homes, uh, both uh, our sons and his wife and kids home, as well as ours. And it was a big number. And Paul, we had to think about it. 
and and we we thought about it, had a couple of uh, family meetings, and made the decision to go through with it into the negotiations anyway. And so, when when did that uh, when did that negotiation start? In February uh, of 2021 uh, is when it started, and by I think we closed April first is when we closed. Or April 15th uh, is when we closed. So that was a very quick close. I mean, typically, you know, in a lot of these situations, uh, you're going to see six months or more go by between the time it starts and the time it ends. So how were you able to get it to close that quickly? Well, the company that we were dealing with was all cash. There was no borrowed money. And so literally it was making sure that the that the uh, deeds and and everything that we said we owned were appropriately done, and that's that that's where that oh did I lose you? Nope, no, I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay, sorry. Uh, uh, we um, uh, within a matter of of 45, I think 51 days, we had it closed, and so along with that, uh, they asked me to stay on and facilitate kind of a transition. And so I did that up until the end of April in 2022 here, just recently. Okay, okay. okay. Now, I, I think, you know, and offline, we were sort of discussing the fact that because you were able to sort of close earlier in the year, because a lot of these transactions happen on December 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st, and you really don't have the ability to um, make any changes or fix things and so on. But with this closing in April, it seemed like that gave you some flexibility on on maybe tracking down some stuff that uh, otherwise might not have happened. Well, it, it happened so fast that I, in the negotiations, uh, a couple of things we asked for, uh, first we asked for three years rent free on the house that Zach and his wife was in to give him time to figure out what he wants to do. Uh, we asked for a life estate on our own home uh, because, again, how are we going to find a home? You know, how are we going to transition? And a life estate did a lot of things. It basically put us in a place where we have, other than than the monthly bills, uh, we have no obligation. And maybe you can explain that in a later podcast, a life estate. Uh, but in the, in that same time, we ordered a, a new building for a shop. And uh, we put into uh, play a, uh, a state-of-the-art storage cleaning facility uh, for our popcorn production. So balancing those numbers out against the sale, uh, chasing down and, and re, you know, <laughs> in 38 years of basically wheeling and dealing, building an operation from nothing uh, to what it was today, uh, I, I hadn't done the best job of, of keeping track of my basis. Yep. And if I'd encourage anybody, anything is to go back and chase down those transactions. I actually hired an attorney in the accounting firm to go back through, clear back to 1992 uh, was the very first piece of ground that I had bought and then traded and partners. I had several partners and investors so uh, that we had traded and sorted. So we wanted to make sure that those transactions were verified. And I wasn't certain you could do that, but uh, but I was assured and also had a uh, a letter or a statement that uh, put us in a place that we could do that. Yeah, and and also again, 
you mentioned that uh, you built a, a new shop and a cleaning facility or storage for cleaning facility for the popcorn um, uh, processing end of it. With the fact that you sold it in April, hopefully you got that done before the end of the year, you're able to take the gain that you have on the land and you're able to offset it with the deduction, the bonus depreciation that you can take on the shop and the in the popcorn facility. Whereas if you had sold that land, let's say in December, there's no way you could have gotten a shop or any of that done in time to offset that gain. Well, and that was the trigger that we pulled, Paul. That was part of the negotiations is, you know, we needed to, we had to be first assured that was in it, you know, in the middle of COVID, you know, making sure that you're going to have building and steel. Well, let me yeah. tell you what, uh, even the company that provided the bins and the leg and all of that stuff, the steel, they didn't have trucks or drivers. Well, that's just in Grand Island, just it's two and a half hours away. But I knew the owner of the company and I called him directly and I said, hey, I have my own trucks and my own guys. We'll come haul those trucks. I have got to have this, you know, operational before uh, November 1st. Yep. And actually, I, I had actually set the, the original date at September 1st. And so the shop building, we weren't too worried about because, again, we had negotiated in the sale that we could keep and house and work out of our facility until we could move, but not to exceed a year. Right. So we, we had 12 months. Uh, and as we could clean out building bins or clean out buildings, we did that. And then they took possession, changed the locks and did all that stuff. So, you know, we were on the edge of our seat sometimes about whether the roof was going to be on the building and the electricity turned on, you know, because it was a challenge. Yeah. Uh, the building company even offered to buy my building back before we erected it. Because uh, <laughs> they could sell it for more than what they what they sold yeah. it to you for. So that's exactly right. Well, right now it would cost us. Uh, we got a quote uh, just because the county wants to know, but um, we don't have to share it. But it's sixty one percent higher today. Yeah, uh, than it was when we bought that stuff. Sixty one percent. So you have a two and a half million dollar uh, investments. Uh, do the math. I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. But so the tax offset to that and the time that it takes. So then we put that inside of an LLC, Paul, and then in turn uh, we we restocked the LLC, and in other words, uh, allocated more or uh, uh, have more shares inside of it, and then uh, set up a seven-year uh, transition plan with Zach to make biannual payments and then he owns a, a he purchases a set amount of stock of that llc over the next seven years and then he would end up with 41 percent of the llc and the the bank basically agreed uh by virtue of doing that that then they would turn around and finance it and then take deb out deb and i out the rest of the way i mean there's a lot of moving pieces in this deal yeah yeah and you know when because a lot of times I think farmers um, assume that a transition can be maybe a six-month process, a one-year process. Uh, so already we know that in your situation, you're looking at maybe a seven-year process just for you know for the for that facility. But let's let's just go through what is the timing of the transition, the full transition from you and Deb over to your son Zach. Well, it's already done. I mean, I, I'm out of the daily operations. Uh, 
in in theory <laughs> until until <laughs> get the phone call or or dad will you go work on this pivot um that that actually occurred two years ago uh in and then we were farming in kind of a partnership two years ago and then january one of this year he assumed 100 percent, and he farms nearly 5,000 irrigated acres on his own now, uh, growing peas and, and uh, oats and popcorn uh, for uh, specialty markets. But that, but that next step or that, that uh, transition piece, uh, we, were, we kept all of our machinery. So we had, we had a couple million worth of machinery yet. So he didn't want to own it all and, we, and that's fine. Uh, then we've turned some over to Big Iron. Now, Big Iron was the wild card. We could sort of set our price and expectations with Zach, but the Big Iron sale is the one that surprised me. It actually came in about 21% higher than what yep. I predicted, uh, which was not a bad thing. But now I have to reevaluate year two and year three on the transition for Deb and I with the IRS is making sure that that, that, that we have the ample amount of cash to pay yep. the taxes uh, as we approach age 65 and 66. Yeah, you're you're probably paying more tax now this year and maybe next year or the last the, this two or three year period than you did in the first 38 years of farming. That is correct. You know, <laughs> uh, you spent a lifetime of of deferring and using that capital to grow and improve and and modernize your operation. We all do. Every one of us uh, and, and the, and the hard part is, is that, that when you, you know, you, you're shaking when you sign that paper, is that you're just constantly asking yourself, is this the right thing to do? And you have to go back to what you, you know, you want your family to be able to look across the table at each other after we're gone. And obviously between now and then, uh, for Christmas or Thanksgiving or a birthday or, a, you know, a grandson's graduation. And you want to be able to, you want your family to be able to do that. We have a large family. We already have 11 grandkids. So um, that, that's a core value of ours that we have had to keep reverting back to, to make sure that we actually sign that, those documents and follow through. Yeah. What's, what's that saying? And at least it's my saying, and I'm sure I heard it from somebody, is that you know, children are the necessary evil to get grandchildren. So, uh, so you got 11 grandchildren, and uh, and we actually have our third one on the boy. We have uh, we have a boy that's going to be born at the end of October. So uh, we're looking forward to that. But uh, but I, I think that's important to understand is that in your situation now, essentially you're debt free. Yes, it created a lot of taxes. But one of my favorite sayings is that working capital, cash, working capital that you've paid tax on is yours to do whatever you want to. If you haven't paid tax on it, it's either Uncle Sam's or it's the banks because usually you've borrowed the money and, and you have no flexibility, no control. Is, is that similar in your situation before maybe, you know, you're always... You're always having to prepay. You always have to do this to keep the tax thing going down the road. Well, now you have the flexibility. Is that coming true in your situation? Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, we kept all of the trucks. Uh, Zach really didn't want to own the trucks. So we have five trucks and trailers and spray trailer and a side dump. And and so I'm, I built a cash flow around that to basically pay the bills, the taxes, the, the licensing and all that stuff, and then have a custom fee. 
Uh, and then <laughs> here's Deb's question is, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a nice retirement as a lifelong educator. Uh, what's your contribution? And, you know, <laughs> my social security, as you would guess, is it, it's not terrible, but it's not it's not something you'd live on. Uh, just nope, because nope. I chased the, the tax can down the road a long time. So yep. um, uh, looking inside the operation, uh, you know, how do you generate some revenue and, and really start to rethink cash flows again? But it's all your money. And so uh, that that is the nice part. Um, you know, I don't have to buy a tank of fuel if I don't want to. And, you know, I don't have to uh, jump in that truck and drive it someplace because I have to. Uh, it can be strategic and it can be uh, actually, um, you just kind of find yourself in a different place, Paul. You really do. Yeah. Is you're, you're proud of what the kids are doing. Uh, you have a different perspective on helping them. And uh, uh, he'll even he even hung up on me a couple times when when I, when I went through that. Dad, I told you so. Yeah, 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 <laughs> he yeah. He says, Dad, I'm sorry. You know, I just that I, I, I he said I knew better. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know it's uh, that's the typical father son dynamic. You know, it's it's interesting. I had a quick story when I was uh, driving combine, probably my first year driving combine full-time for my dad I was probably 15 years old and and it was like this year we had a lot of rain and got a lot of cheat grass and I'm cutting on a side hill that's about a 40 percent slope and I hit some cheat grass and I slide down the hill a little bit not a lot maybe 10 20 30 feet something like that which on a combine you know it's a fair amount of sliding and I remember coming around and I'm telling my dad that hey I'm sliding down the hill and of course you know I'm a rookie driver and my dad thinks I have no he I could just see the steam coming out of his head. Son, you don't know what you're talking about. So he gets on the combine. He's going to show me how to do this. So we're we're going along and we're coming up to the to the slick spot. And I tell my dad, okay, dad, this is where you got to be careful. Wrong thing to say to my dad. Sure enough, we don't slide 10 feet down the hill. We slide about 250 feet down the hill. I actually, I still vividly remember opening the cab door and I was ready to jump off the combine, you know, because it was that bad. And uh, and but then I looked up and I saw we were coming to the area where it was flattening out and we had a disc area. So I knew we were going to stop. So sure enough, the combine stops, you know, it's bouncing up and down, but it stops. I don't say a word. My dad doesn't say a word, you know, but I can still see what's going on here. I don't know how to respond here. So finally, we finish the cut. We go over and dump the grain and I'm expecting to get chewed out and. I still remember my dad turned, looked at me, he had a grin on his face, and he said, okay, son, you know what you're doing? He got off the combine, and away I went. So uh, that that was a case of where, okay, maybe maybe my dad thinks I know what I'm doing. So <laughs> hey, don't all of our kids, more or less, uh, yeah. they all have a different perspective on how how we train them or how our dads trained us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You should chuckle. Exactly. So, One of the but, things not to forget and keep the target on is is – there's a lot of follow through. Yep. Uh, when I worked with the accounting firm uh, in Eastern Nebraska, there's, I mean, they're a large ag firm. And my, I, I, I found a lot of things that my local accountant got me in trouble with when I went this far. Uh, you know, the year to year and the tax preparation and, and kind of where you sit uh, was driven a lot by your own and by your own record keeping. And and uh, once we switched firms there several years ago and get a, a more robust uh, involvement in the transition in this idea of succession planning, 
And uh, we built a three-year plan around this, Paul. Mm-hmm. And so year two, I mean, you still, because you're selling assets, again, that have uh, either some basis you know, or a lot of basis or no basis, uh, there, there's a pretty steep uh, obligation in year two and even some in year three, because you're still earning wages. You know, both of yep. us are, are still working. So, you know, taking the time to at least outline that second and third year, you, there's still a lot of unknowns. Like I said, the big iron sale or, you know, machinery sale auction was was over 20% higher than I anticipated. Well, that's, that. I mean, that that's a good thing in some ways, but that also changes or could possibly change your tax bracket. Yeah. Yeah. And those things and and really kind of being on the front side of that and reevaluating it when those transactions happen is a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and, and the problem with that equipment sale, unlike the land sale, where at least you're dealing with capital gains tax rates, you know, with the, with equipment sales, it's all ordinary. And and if you hit that top bracket, uh, between Nebraska tax and your tax, you know, you're looking at 45, almost 50% tax. So it adds up pretty fast. I I know. I But you know what, Paul, uh, I, <laughs> I remember, I think you had a, you had one in there too, but I remember my banker telling me, you know, until you pay taxes, you don't have any, any real wealth or net or working networking capital. So uh, that to me, uh, has resonated uh, and and continues to. Deb and I had a, a pretty good conversation uh, a day or so ago. Again, just asking each other, you know, we're we're moving into that time where we, we're we're going to have a fixed income retirement income on one side of the ledger, but we also have this farming side that we're still in a transition over the next seven years. So we still have five entities. We have a C corp and we have four LLCs. And so we evenly distributed and moved, um, kind of, kind of, kind of more to match up the rolling stock or the the bricks and mortar that that made the most sense with each other. So we did internal transfers and reevaluated those, and then, and then said, hey, you know, what in what progression will this most benefit uh, Zach, our son, and his next steps? And also makes the most sense for us on income-wise how we can uh, anticipate and evaluate and make that part of our our strategy over our next you know I don't know how long we're gonna live till we're yep. in our 80s 90s 100 who knows uh, my yep. mom's 85 here in July yeah yep. no and uh, and you know with the uh, advances in healthcare and so on now of course COVID sort of uh, you know, it wasn't the best part on that, but, uh, you know, people are living longer. You know, it's it's very easy for us to live into the 90s, the 100s, the 110s, the 120s now. You're, you're seeing more and more more people hit the 110 mark. So, uh, well, I have uh, a might... question for you. How do you, what do you anticipate? And maybe this is, this is for listeners as well, too, is one of the things that we were a bit concerned about was what's the next, what's the next shoe to fall in this, in the taxing part of, of, federal tax and state income tax and social security and everything else. And, and it really wasn't a big factor, but we did, we did try to do as much as we could in 2021 as, as, as we physically and, and, uh, operationally could do is do you think that there's any advantage to that going forward i i I think i i certainly over the next five to 10 years and you know, my crystal ball is just as cloudy as anybody else's, but 
I, I think there's a good chance over the next five to 10 years, especially, and I'm going to say the progressives, not necessarily the Democrats, but the progressives, if they can get a more substantial majority in the in the Senate side, especially, and over in the House, that eventually you are going to see higher capital gains rates. You may see some type of of uh, mark to market on assets on a yearly or or you know some period. And I think Social Security taxes are start going to go up. You know, Biden really wanted to push the having the extra 12.4 percent on income over 400,000, and and that would hit farmers in a lot of situations because. A lot of income that farmers have, rent income, you know, you have your LLC that the land LLC is renting the ground over to the C corporation that's the farmer. Historically, through now, that's always never been subject to self-employment tax as long as it's done correctly. But I think eventually Congress is going to say, hey, if, if that's all part and parcel of the same arrangement, that's sort of the thing that they use in the code, they're going to say all that income is going to be subject to self-employment tax, or it's at least going to be subject to the net investment income tax. So, yes, doing the sale in 2021 probably was going to be the lowest tax rate you're going to see in the next 10 years for sure. So I, I think you did a good job there. Well, you know, <laughs> when we when we look at our careers, and I'm going to get philosophical here. When you look at your career, once you build, and and uh, I'm not a legacy guy. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Uh, but there are others that are, and it's important to them, and I respect that. Yeah. On the flip side of it, in the business world, uh, you know, outside of agriculture, we we are we are obviously a a, a a breed set apart from most others in terms of of our connection to the land. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the animals and the crops that we grow that that we don't ultimately know where they end up at. Uh, we know that they end up in a place or in someone's stomach, hopefully. Uh, and in, at the end of the day, um, actually signing that, signing your name to that bottom line is 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 way, way, way more difficult than it ever was uh, signing your name to the first operating line of credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Piece of ground. <laughs> yeah. You know, you when you're young, hey, oh yeah, we'll sign our name here. Uh, we want to farm. Whatever we got to do, we need to farm. But as you get older, you want to retain that wealth that you've built up. You know, that 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 becomes more important. So, uh, well, well we're we're excited. we are excited, I, uh, Paul. And I. Oh, I want to encourage young men and women out there and beginning producers that surround yourselves with a group of stakeholders that give you good advice. One of the things I've been blessed with is obviously uh, your relationship, Paul, Chris Barron. I mean, I can name a whole bunch of others that that uh, I have rallied around Zach to help him. I know that he's talked to you maybe once uh, yep. and, and he, is, uh, he has followed that lead of this is big business. If you do the the fifteen hundred dollars an acre gross revenue on five thousand acres, uh, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out the exposure that you have as an individual and your family. Yeah. And and the the idea that that you can do it all alone or have to do it all alone, boy, that that's one that I I have pounded into him. And reaching, you know, not be afraid to reach out. He's in a peer group of larger producers, and 
and uh, he he makes those meetings. He's gone through some leadership development, and and it, it, this is big business. And and man, kudos to all of you that that take this step and and want to transition and want to do the things that are important to your family. Uh, but just keep in mind, there's a lot of remarkable resources out there that can help you uh, support you in your decision process. Yep, to totally agree. Well, Rourke, I think right now we'll take a quick break for a sponsored message and we'll come back and sort of discuss a little bit on the family side. So I, I think that's what I'd like to go into a little bit on the family side and then we'll probably be finishing up here fairly soon. So let's go ahead and take a break for a sponsored message. Get timely updates about taxation, accounting, succession planning, and other issues that are unique to farmers and agribusiness processors. Find out about major agribusiness events and how to comply with new laws that affect your business. Subscribe to Farm CPA at blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness and experience the CLA promise. blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness. Welcome back, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm Paul Nee for your host. Uh, we're going to rejoin our conversation here with Rorick Pullman from uh, Western Nebraska. Uh, Rorick, we sort of really the first part of the podcast we spent on more what I call the financial side. I think just as important or maybe even more important, you hit it a little bit, is the is the family side. Uh, let's just go through a little bit of what you've tried to do to make sure that uh, uh, that uh, you know that the family isn't going to end up not wanting to spend Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever or Fourth of July together. Well, you know, the first shocker uh, we held a a, a a family meeting on the sale of the operation before we signed, and and actually we had a surprise there. Uh, one of the one of the kids that we didn't didn't really think had that much interest in or preserving this kind of lifestyle or legacy, uh, but our daughter, our only daughter, uh, probably was the most outspoken. Mm. And then our oldest son, you know, he's an engineer uh, in uh, Colorado. Our daughter is an administrator for a retirement home, and then uh, Garrett is a uh, owns a brewery in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. And then Zach, the youngest, uh, is, is the one taking the farm. So you think about education-wise, they're all successful, but uh, that communication piece, Paul, had to be done. And uh, we didn't just dismiss it. We actually stepped away from that, uh, revisited it a couple times. and But that was all in a short period of time. We're talking 48 hours, 72 hours uh, to get this pulled together and, and basically move to the next step. And so I'm, I'm just curious. So your daughter had mentioned that um, she she really was more in favor of you not selling. Is that what you're saying? Or, yeah. or was it just well, the yeah. fact that that she wanted to see it, at least something continue? Well, it, in their minds, they don't know what that is that, you know, their their pieces have been purchasing a home or a car, or a piece of furniture, or disposing of it or trading it. And 
and you grew up there. Uh, they helped build the operation. I started that thing from scratch in 1985 when my dad passed away. And I borrowed you know $13,000 from my mom to start and built it into what it is today. And and they they were a big part of that. I often said, you know, if it wasn't for the four kids and, and their classmates, we would not be where we are today. They yep. invested a lot of sweat equity themselves uh, and they reaped some benefits of it. Good education, good you know, work ethic and that. But it, it really kind of took us back and we had to rethink you know, what what they're asking us, which was I grew up here. I helped build this place. Why are you doing this? And yep. and we had to be able to articulate that. And and we had to revisit it and do it again. We did it a couple of times. Well, and I think, uh, you know, this is a major, a major trans, well, not trans, or transition, a major transition, both for you and for your kids. So I think definitely not springing this, you know, I think if you had sold it and then told your kids, I, I think you would have definitely had a much different uh, uh, reality as to what the reaction would have been. Well, there's, there's no doubt, but again, the kids were well grounded. They, you know, they're, they're, they, they, they had an education opportunity that they capitalized on, and you know what? Um, it, it, all of us are like this. This is a big part of your life, but it rolled around to you know, mom and dad. What's best for you? And yep. we assured them that it was in the best interest of us. And you know, in business, uh, Garrett, you know, had, had started his own brewery, which was not it was a huge financial undertaking. And you know Zach's doing this, and and you others have other different careers that parallel it, but but you're well cared for, and yeah, yeah. and know this that this is still mom and dad's until it's not mom and dad's anymore. <laughs> uh, you, you know, we're not handing it off, we're not giving it away. That there is a progression of earning that comes into this, and um, you know we'll do some things in other ways eventually that will that will either. Uh, take a look at the the next generation, which the grandkids, or or you know if there's impending things that happen within our family, we we will be able to help out on those, uh, and and that's that goes unsaid uh, when you when you've got that close of a family. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, well, I have four, four boys too, and uh, and they're all doing different careers, and uh, I I think the key is because uh, um, my two oldest sons. They started out as CPAs or working for Price Waterhouse in downtown LA. And I told them all along, don't do that just because you think you want to do something that your dad did. And eventually they both ended up doing something else. And I'm perfectly okay with that. You need to do what you want to do, not what you think your dad wants you to do. And I think sometimes farm kids, you know, sometimes, hey, I think I'm going to come back to the farm because dad wants me to come back to the farm, not because I want to come back to the farm. And I think it's important to understand that it, it's your decision. Yes, it's it's a great life or it can be a great life, but it really is your decision. Well, you've got a responsibility as a parent too. You know, uh, as you transition, when, when Zach stepped into that, I mean, he thought he knew what it took to run everything. He had no, he has no idea what you as your father or grandfather or other you know partners in the company in this transition actually were doing. You know, but until you physically try and, and take that on in your entire day. And yeah. so helping with that has been significant over the last 13 months is uh, and we've got a remarkable banker. 
they have done nothing but been supportive, but cautious. Uh, you know, in, in a position where you're not leveraged up and you don't have a whole bunch, you don't bring in any debt, uh, you're able to really look at the future and work with a, your accounting firm and your attorney to make sure that the structure is right so that you can anticipate bumps in the road. And, and that has been, that has been a real, that's a role that you, it, it's, it takes different shapes and forms in every day yep. and even week for me with, with him, it does is sometimes I just simply have to shut up and listen. <laughs> and that's tough on us dads, you know, that's, it that, that, it's <laughs> tough, you know, so, uh, yeah, sometimes the best words we can say is no words. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's reality. So, well, good. Uh, you know, Rorick, I, I guess, uh, you know, when I originally had talked to you and or we had our first conversation, I, I asked you what keeps you up at night. And I think I'm going to go ahead and ask the same question. You know, three years ago, what kept you up at night is likely different than what might keep you up at night right now. So I'm just curious, is there something that keeps you up at night? I don't think that has changed is every storm cloud, every dry day, every windy day you look at across there and, and you know, you're still, you're still invested. Yours, it, that, that, that is the, the message I'll say over and over and over again is I think dads stick around too long in terms of handing off the operation. And, um, but on the flip side of that, you won't ever do that. And, and what it, it's the same things keep me up at night. Uh, the same things when I roll into the office and, and Zach's sitting in there and I've got a question, but, but I have to respect that. The question needs to come from him or I can just simply say, Hey man, this, this weather is nuts. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can't say good gosh, it's cutting the corn off over on that dry land quarter over there. It's just as it's emerging, we need to go do something with that. Uh, so, so what keeps me up at night is the same things, Paul, the success and the you know the the idea that that it that at the conclusion of every day that everybody's safe and yep. that the families and and uh, the grandkids are are growing and they can be able to uh, uh, enjoy that as they as they move forward. Well, and the fact that uh, uh, you're still looking forward to uh, having Christmas together with the family and Thanksgiving and so on. I mean, that's that's just as important or more important than the financial side of it. Uh, what do you got if you don't have family, Paul? Yeah. What do you yeah. got? Yeah. Well, again, Rorick, uh, thanks a lot for giving us an update. Uh, uh, maybe a year from now, we'll have another conversation to see uh, how that uh, two and a half year period is going. Yeah, I'd love to, Paul. And and thank you for taking the time to, to I guess, put in front of people, uh, you know, strategies and ideas and your investment in as well, too. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, again, this is the Farm CPA Podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Neefer, your host, signing off.